Hakai Magazine explores science, society, and the environment from a coastal perspective. Today's feature article is Will Exporting Farmed Totoaba Fix the Big Mess Pushing the World's Most Endangered Porpoise to Extinction? International officials will soon decide the fate of Mexican Totoaba fish farming and with it possibly the last glimmer of hope for the vaquita. By Victor R. Rodriguez, read by me, Heather Walter. In Mexico, consumers are allowed to eat totuaba, just not the wild version of this critically endangered fish. For around 10 years, fish farmers have raised totuaba in sea pens off the coast of Mexico, successfully selling their product domestically. Consumers have eaten it up, with foodies describing totuaba flesh as pillowy and tender with massive buttery halibut-like flakes. Now the aquaculture industry wants to break out of Mexico and export farmed totuaba, a move that has drawn fire from conservationists. In early March, the Standing Committee of the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora will meet in Lyon, France, to discuss species under the highest threat due to international trade. During the week-long meeting, committee members will consider the request by Earth Ocean Farms, a Mexican company with ties to American investors, to export totuaba to markets beyond Mexico. The discussion promises to be complicated. The facilities for Earth Ocean Farms are located in La Paz, a town at the southern tip of Baja, California. But context for the Totuaba conundrum is found almost 900 kilometers to the north, where wild Totuaba swim and breed in the upper part of the Gulf of California. The fish was an important source of food for the indigenous peoples in the Gulf, and eventually Mexican fishers began selling totuaba commercially in 1910, first for its swim bladder, known as the ma, and sold as an ingredient in Asian traditional medicine, and then for its meat. The fish can reach over 2 meters long and over 100 kilograms, about as long as a bed and as heavy as a domestic pig. At the peak of the fishery in 1942, Mexican fishermen netted around 2.26 million kilograms of totuaba. But within a few decades, the prized fish was in trouble, with just 59,000 kilograms caught in 1975. That year, Mexico banned the harvest, and the fish was declared critically endangered shortly thereafter. In 1999, Mexican researchers began an intense study of wild totuaba and discovered that the fish, which can live for over 20 years, adapts well to captivity. About a decade later, farmed totuaba meat hit the domestic market. But even with a fishing ban and the availability of farmed totuaba, the fish has had little respite in the wild. In 2011, authorities detected a black market for wild totuaba swim bladders, financed by illicit Asian markets. The illegal wild fishery is lucrative. Sold by the kilogram and more valuable than gold, the maw of a totuaba can fetch 255,000 U.S. dollars at a clandestine auction in China. Farmed totuaba swim bladders are relatively worthless in comparison. They're too small to net a huge profit. The totuaba remains in trouble, 
but another species is also paying with its life for the ma black market. The vaquita, the Mexican porpoise, now considered the most endangered species on the planet. Inside the Gulf of California's unique marine ecosystem, the Totuaba shares the dire reality of possible extinction alongside the vaquita. And it complicates the request facing the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. To illegally fish for Totuaba, poachers use gill nets, which can also entangle and drown the vaquita. This has been pointed out year after year by the International Committee for the Recovery of the Vaquita. The last population survey in 2021 estimated that no more than 10 porpoises remain in the wild. Conservation groups and fisher cooperatives fear that permitting the export of Totuaba meat will only trigger even more illegal poaching in a largely unmonitored, quote, no man's sea region of the upper gulf that includes a zero-tolerance area for the vaquita, in which fishing is supposed to be totally banned. They believe an export market will raise the value of the Totuaba, encouraging poachers to take increasing numbers of fish from the wild and sneak meat onto the market while continuing to smuggle swim bladders to China. Valeria Towns, project coordinator of Museo de la Ballena, a Mexican NGO working on vaquita conservation in the Upper Gulf, thinks it is naive to believe that allowing earth ocean farms to export farmed totuaba won't impact wild totuaba populations and the vaquita. She says, the truth is that this is not an isolated problem, regardless of the distance between the two points. Our entire country is connected, and given the well-demonstrated lack of law enforcement capacity regarding illegal fishing, we cannot think that a go-ahead from the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora will not impact the reality of the Upper Gulf of California. Since 2009, Mexico's Ministry of the Environment and Natural Resources has approved seven permits for captive breeding totuaba. Called Wildlife Conservation Management Units, they have a flexible mandate, breeding for both conservation and commercial purposes. Mexican legislation also requires that all units release a percentage of fish into the wild to help Totuaba repopulation efforts. Earth Ocean Farms was the third enterprise to receive the federal approval in 2012. And since 2015, it has released 146,500 Totuaba juveniles into waters off Mulaje, almost 500 kilometers north of La Paz, in the southern portion of their habitat. The farms keep a number of wild Totuaba in captivity to serve as breeding stock. Each year, the farms release a portion of their progeny into the Gulf of California. Only the second-generation captive fish, those whose parents were both born in captivity, can be sold as meat. Separating Totuaba farming from the conflict surrounding the wild species has been a difficult task. Mexican scientists at the National Commission for the Knowledge and Use of Biodiversity, formerly in charge of all documents submitted to the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora, are trying to distinguish between the realities of Earth Ocean Farms operations in La Paz, located in the south, from those in the upper gulf, the Tutuaba and Vaquitas hotspot. 
Since 2018, the National Commission for the Knowledge and Use of Biodiversity, or CONABIO, has regularly inspected farms that breed totuaba, which are required to keep detailed databases on fish genetics, giving regulators the ability to track each and every fish born on individual farms. Ezekiel Benitez-Diaz, Conabio's Director for International Cooperation and Implementation, says the success of second-generation captive fish seems evidence enough to prove that totuaba farming won't impact wild populations. He says, Totuaba farming is not a solution to the problem of illegal fishing in the upper Gulf of California, but it is an opportunity that can provide jobs and can successfully reproduce vulnerable species and support repopulation work. More broadly, beyond the question of farming totuaba, there's a strong debate in the scientific arena over the viability, ethical and technical, of wildlife farming for commercial purposes as a conservation method for vulnerable species. The evidence is conflicting. But there are accepted criteria outlined by wildlife biologist Laura Tenson in a 2016 scientific paper. For wildlife farming to be beneficial for conservation, agencies need to consider a number of factors. One, the farmed product must be an adequate substitute. Two, it must supply a substantial portion of the market and not increase the demand. Three, it must be cost-efficient to avoid being undersold on the black market. Four, farmers cannot rely on restocking from the wild. And five, farmed wildlife cannot serve to launder the illegal product. A main criticism from conservationists is that the Mexican government agencies cannot adequately police black market totuaba meat since they have failed to end the illegal poaching of totuaba in the upper gulf, an activity controlled by criminal organizations. The strongest objections to the application by Earth Ocean Farms to export totuaba come from the United States and Israel. Both countries are concerned with the ability to monitor commercial sales and that captive-bred totuaba will perpetuate the demand for totuaba swim bladders. To help prevent the laundering of swim bladders, Earth Ocean Farms says it will destroy the swim bladder stocks from its domesticated harvest. For the commercial meat trade, the genetic database of the farmed fish would allow regulators to identify legal from illegal meat. Aside from genetics, authorities rely on two other methods to detect illegally traded totuaba. One is size. Captive-bred totuaba range from 75 to 80 centimeters long and weigh up to 6 kilograms. Remember, a wild fish is over 2 meters and 100 kilograms. Another method is attaching QR codes to every package, which identifies the seven farming units the fish originated from. The most robust tool, however, is to rely on the genetic database for traceability. This database, kept secure by Luis Enriquez, Chief of Genetic Traceability in the Biotechnology Lab of the Marine Sciences Faculty, allows officials to determine a fish's place of origin and the progenitors of a fish. Genetic traceability works for conservation and commercial purposes, says Enriquez. It's like adding a padlock to the product to prevent illegal totuaba entering the national market.
He says, if the genetic code checks with our database, it is a green light. The meat is legal. A wild-bred Totuaba would be easily detected. One example of how genetic traceability and fish farming in general benefited wildlife can be found in the Caspian Sea. Genetic traceability quashed the ability of poachers to market sturgeon caviar, a luxury food. Poaching had nearly led to the extinction of three Caspian sturgeon species before the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora added them to their list of animals highly threatened by international trade. One of the Convention's recommendations for recovery was wildlife farming. Decades after recovery efforts began, more than 130 aquaculture facilities in countries around the Caspian Sea are producing sturgeon caviar and releasing captive-born fish into the wild to aid recovery efforts. The wild populations have rebounded to healthy numbers. The share of captive-bred fish in the three wild sturgeon populations are 96% for beluga, 56.6% for Russian sturgeon, and 36% for stellate sturgeon. The numbers demonstrate that wildlife farming, with help from genetic traceability technology, can be an effective way to protect vulnerable species, says Paula Mosig-Reidel, coordinator of Mexico's scientific authorities for the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. Nevertheless, no case is as unique as the Totuabas when the vaquita is added to the equation. Considering Totuaba ma remains coveted in Asian markets, there is a reasonable expectation that farmed Totuaba could amplify the demand and eventually trigger more illegal poaching in the upper Gulf of California. The market for tiger bone wine validates the concern. China banned the tiger bone trade in 1993, but not the farming of tigers, whose population grew from as low as 100 to over 6,000 today. The result, critics say, was a heightened demand for a luxury product that was waning in the 1990s. Investigations have revealed that the legal market provided cover for the black market. Arguments come and go like waves in the upper Gulf of California. Too many questions are still unanswered. Can one enterprise provide a solution for a complex conservation conflict? Could this help the vaquita? For now, the future of commercialized and wild totuaba is waiting its turn at the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora discussion table. Find more coastal news and stories from Hakai Magazine on our website at hakaimagazine.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. All of our feature stories are part of the Hakai Magazine Audio Edition podcast, which you can subscribe to through your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this story, please consider sharing it with your friends.